I can remember growing up in Logan, uh, where I'm from, in St. John Catholic grade school. And whenever the priest would come over to, to talk about vocations, about that maybe one of us would be called to the priesthood, I'd immediately think of my friend Mike, who in the class was really a great leader. And he was the only kid in the class who could really like, give public speeches and that kind of thing. I thought, Mike's the one. Mike is who he's going to call. I have no doubt about this. But I can remember later on in high school when the priest would come over to our CCD at the time, our, our parish school of religion classes, and uh, he'd be talking to us about vocations. And I'd say, Chris is going to be the one. Chris is, he's always prayerful. His family goes to everything that the church puts on. It's got to be Chris. And then later on when I was in college, and uh, towards the end of my college, I started going to the Catholic student group. And when vocations would come up, I would think, Tom, the Bible study leader, like Tom's going to be the one who's going to get called. <laughs> so I was really confused when the Lord in my prayer began to put on my heart that I might be being called to the priesthood. I was thinking, this doesn't make sense. It's not rational. Like, these, look at Tom. Remember Mike. Remember Chris. Like, Lord, why would you be calling me? The Lord's way of calling is so often out of the ordinary, out of what's rational to us where we expect his word to fall. And I love the way that, that Luke sets up this part of the gospel, where he's giving us this great overview of the great ones. He says, In the fifteenth year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, so the great Caesar, Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor, the great governor in Judea, Herod was the tetrarch in Galilee, his brother Philip the tetrarch, Licinius tetrarch. And then he goes to the great leaders of the faith, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to, and you just imagine the word of God flying over all those, coming down into the valley of the Jordan, into the desert, onto this obscure man named John the Baptist. It's not what we expect. The word of God works in a way that so often it's not as we expect. In every one of us, is called by the Lord. Every one of us has a mission. Every one of us is like John the Baptist. If we have been baptized, or if we desire baptism, we can be certain that the word of God is coming to us, that the word brings a mission, that the word may be flying over the great ones of our world, but the word is coming down to us. So how do we hear it? Because we understand now that it can't just be through our reason. That it has to be through prayer. That in prayer is where we discover God's will for our life. That there's no other way to do it. You can't look at your gifts and your talents and say, well, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Or look at your strengths and your weaknesses and say, well, this must be where God wants me. It has to come within prayer. And often the Lord puts on our heart a desire or he... He makes us realize maybe certain injustices around us. That's usually not just the Lord wanting us to complain about the injustice, right? It's often the way the Lord's moving us to mission. He's saying, look at this area. Maybe we're called to go to that area. Maybe we're called to bring his word there, to bring his life there. As a vocation director, the bishop gave me two main missions. He said the first is to remind everybody in the Diocese of Columbus that they have a mission from the Lord, and that they need to discern that call. And now, if you're already in your life vocation, that is, 
your life calling, so those the church recognizes as priesthood, religious life, married life, and dedicated single life where a person feels like they're dedicate their life maybe to taking care of their family or to community or such, and, and they're going to remain celibate. Because we're all called to, to one of those. Um, if we already know that, then we know kind of the locus of where we're supposed to be working. Who's our family? That's normally where the mission's going to be, have the heart of it at. That the mission is those that we live with, those that are part of our, our life vocations. But then within that, we also, or even outside of that, we still have these little missions, right? Where the Lord's going to put on our heart, if we listen, if we're seeking that in prayer, if we're telling him, I'm available, he's going to put that on our heart to be able to bring his word. And so this is what Paul's talking about in this letter to the Philippians. When he says, I pray always with joy in my every prayer for all of you because of your partnership for the gospel. And so Paul is writing to the, to the church with that same idea that everyone in the church has a mission and that we're meant to be this, these partners for the gospel. Paul would represent the bishop or the priest and he's writing to, to the laity, to the church. We have this partnership for the gospel that together we're meant to bring the word of God to life around us. And so there's this obligation on us to discern what is our mission. Again, we do that through prayer, adoration, uh, reading the scripture. You know, a great way to, to begin, to, if we can't figure out what am I supposed to be doing right now, a, an easy way to do this is to start each day to spend maybe 10 or 15 minutes with the gospel of the day and use your imagination to picture yourself there. What that does is it allows God to start the conversation because God gives us his word for the day through the scriptures the church provides. And we can say, Lord, you're going to set the conversation tone every day. I'm going to start with what you've already provided. But then we kind of pay attention to what goes on in our heart while we're reading that. And that's our part. What does is, what is the Lord put in our heart that we're noticing in this passage? Or how does it kind of reflect about my own life right now? And through those kind of desires, we begin to understand where the Lord is calling us right now. What is this, this mission? So all of us are called to do that. Now I want to return to this idea of a partnership for the gospel. Because as a, as a vocation director, I'm often working with the seminarians about how they'll do that in the future. What does that look like from the role of the priest? How do you work with your parish to, to make it the most effective on-mission community that it can be for the service of the gospel? But it, today... I would want to do it from the opposite view. What can you as a laity do in helping your priest, your pastor, and his job? How do you keep that partnership together? And there's a few things I think that, that we can reflect upon for this. The first is if you want to do something that supports your pastor or your priest, there's nothing more important you can do than to take your faith seriously. There's nothing more important. Like if you're planning, okay, I have a decision. I could have Father over to dinner on Sunday, but I'd have to miss Mass. Uh, or I could go to Mass and not ever have him for dinner. <laughs> go to the Mass. <laughs> you know, the, the faith comes first, right? The, what, what takes the faith seriously is what brings the most life to priests. Because think about it. A priest has given up wife and children, freedom. Like, obviously his whole... His life does not make sense if what we say we believe is not true. If we are not in a war between the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. If Jesus Christ didn't really rise from the dead, 
If he's not really trying to bring us into heaven and that this is a battle in this life for that, then the priest's life is a waste that makes no sense. And so anything that reaffirms to the priest as he watches his people engaging in the faith, going to confession, making use of that sacrament, asking him questions about the scripture, about the faith, or about how to to bring others to the faith. Like, this is what brings life to a priest. This is what feeds the soul and the spirit. The second thing that you can do, I asked the, the seminarians because the Knights of Columbus had asked me to find out how they can support the seminarians at Christmas time. Um, and so they said, you know, propose about, like, would it be like Amazon gift cards or gift cards at certain restaurants or what? So I asked the, asked the seminarians, and one after the other would tell me the same thing, even when I had them in private conversations. They'd say, you know, well, we got, you know, we're getting a stipend now from the diocese, and we kind of got enough cards. He said, the thing that really makes a difference is when we get a card just down to the blue saying, hey, I'm thinking about you. You know, thanks for, for being open to that you might be called to the priesthood. It's like, wow, that's, that's interesting. Like, that's, that's what they long for. Like, to hear that people, because they, they're in this little bubble of the seminary, to hear from people outside saying, we recognize what you're doing, we affirm it, we think it's valuable, you know, encouragement is what that word would be. Encouragement. And the priest needs the same thing, that encouragement. Father, that was a good, you know, good homily you gave. Or, Father, that was a great um, decision you made with the parish on this. Or, or, Father, just like the way that you engage with the children. Or this kind of encouragement when we see something that we say, yeah, that's, that's something I want to affirm in my pastor. It's important for our priests to hear that, to have that encouragement and, and to strengthen them in that way. And then the third thing I would say would be, um, I mean, it sounds kind of, I don't know, I'd say don't meddle sometimes in some of, the, some of the minor things. So let me give you an example. When I was in the parish, I would wear uh, the cassock, which is the black robe, usually on Sundays. Um, and then the rest of the days, I'd wear the normal, like the shirt with the, the Roman collar. And I can't tell you how many times a person would come up to me and say, you know, Father, I notice you wear the, the cassock on Sunday, why don't you wear it the rest of the day? You should be wearing it all the time. Like, when you're out in the public, they need to see you in a robe. And I'd say, well, maybe. maybe." Why are you telling me this? And then somebody else would say, Father, like, why are you wearing the cassock today? Like, that, that's not even of this time period or whatever. You're like, <laughs> I was thinking to myself, what if I did this after Mass, people coming out? Hey, Jenny, that, that red sweater, it's not you. Like, oh, let's just try something else next time. <laughs> There's just kind of this, sometimes we kind of get meddling into like over, we overstep the bounds because we are supposed to get our opinion to our pastor on things within the church and what we're doing in the liturgy and that kind of thing. And then, but there is a line where it gets to a little bit where we cross a line and we're kind of telling him how to live his life personally. <laughs> but that idea that, yeah, we share with them and then we trust that, that the Lord is going to lead him in some way. You know, as I tell the seminarians, you come into a parish, you, you figure out what the Lord's already doing because the Lord's already been at work for many years before you got there. And then you figure out, why did the Lord send me? Like, what's my part to bring to this? What, what does he put on my heart to help bring people to? And as long as every time we go back to this line and say, is what I'm about to complain about or what I'm about to say, because I'm concerned about the gospel. Because that's the partnership here. That's the only thing that should make our decisions on these things. Do we believe that this thing is going to advance the gospel. It's not, is this going to make this a, a more peaceful and happy social community? Or is this going to make us a little more popular in the, the city around us? It's, is this 
going to advance the gospel. Because that's what this is all about. This is a partnership of the gospel, we're told today. And so in this Mass, let us just simply pray for that grace. One, to, to be open to that word that is hovering over us and, and wants to descend down upon us, who wants to pass over all the great ones and go to the little ones who think that they don't have anything to offer, that we would be open to whatever the Lord is putting on our heart, those desires we'd pay attention to in our prayer. Where is the Lord sending me on mission at this time? And then secondly, how do I, how do I partner with my priest and with the parish more and more to advance the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel that brings life and freedom to those who embrace him?